Snap Studios. Jack found the house lay empty. The house was Jack's delight. Jack went to sleep inside it. Jack should have checked at night. <laughs> Listen to Spooked. Stay tuned. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Stamp Judgment is brought to you by Progressive. Where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. From KQED and PRX, you've crossed over to Spooked. So I'm in the woods, in front of a campfire, trying to figure out why these vegan marshmallows won't melt between the graham crackers like marshmallow marshmallows. And I feel someone tugging on my shirt. I look down and see a beautiful little girl, one of my buddy Sam's daughters, who asked me, Uncle Glenn, what's a ghost? I glance over at Sam because I get what's going on here. She'd asked him first, but he over there trying to dodge. He smiles, shrugs, waves his beard at me like, hey, hey, this is supposed to be your arena. You answer. Huh. What's a ghost? And she's looking up at me, big brown eyes, expecting. So I tell her, I don't know what a ghost is, but I might know a little something about what ghosts are made of. What? I think a ghost is made of secrets that are buried deep. Stories that someone didn't get to tell. They're made of hurts that don't go away. And big things that are left undone. And I'm really proud of this answer. Uncle Glenn breaking it down. You're welcome, little girl. Friends, one and all, you are welcome. But I look back down at her face. She's not as pleased with my talky talk as I am. Shakes her head at me like, like I'm slow. No. She says, ghost is people. <laughs> well, if you understand so much, what you asking me for? Because, because they told me to. Spook style. Now, 
So certain areas are forever imprinted upon us. We're built to have attachment to places, to childhood homes, that lake you used to go to. We're even drawn to spots where bad things happened. Now, as a kid, Marielle, she moved around a lot. And when her family ended up in James Island, South Carolina, Marielle thought they'd hit the jackpot. A nice neighborhood, a beautiful home, everything seemed awesome. But, of course, this is spooked. And here's Marielle. I am selling Sally Foster gift wrap with my neighborhood friends. We take turns on who's going to knock on which door. And there's one house that we always play rock, paper, scissors for to see who will have to go. It's a one style ranch with a little square of a front yard. The lawn is overgrown. The cars in the driveway never move and we can see through the window and see furniture and things inside, but we never see people. There's so much just neighborhood lore about this house. My friend Jan had to go up to the door to knock on it one time, and she swears that she saw a headless woman in a white lace gown rocking a baby. Other kids in the neighborhood would have said that we were crazy for walking up to this house, but we were overachievers, so of course we had to go up. Rock, paper, scissors. Rock, paper, scissors. I lose rock, paper, scissors, and I have to walk up to the house to knock on the door. The driveway feels like a very long walk. I feel like I have weights on my ankles, and yet I am pushing forward till I reach the front door and am ringing the doorbell. But nothing happens. I don't hear anything inside, and I even peer through the front window, and I see the rocking chair, but I don't see a headless woman. And yet I can't wait to get off that front porch stoop. I sprint back to my friends who are waiting on the street, not even in the driveway, on the street. One day, my mom picks me up from school and tells me that we're going to move. But in the same breath, she tells me not to worry. We found another house in the same neighborhood, so I won't have to move away from my friends or change schools. And we're going to go there now so that you can see it. She doesn't tell me anything after that. We just start driving through our neighborhood. I'm curious which house we were able to rent because I hadn't seen any for rent signs. And I ride my bike or rollerblades on those roads every day. So we drive past 
the house we're currently living in and we keep driving down a couple of streets until we turn onto the street with the spooky house and to my shock and horror we pulled into that cracked weedy driveway and she said we're here I tell her no 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 we can't go in there you don't understand and my mother gives me a stern look that lets me know I need to get out right now so I begrudgingly get out of the car and she takes my hand and we walk up to the front door together my mind is racing because everything I know about this house is scary and all of my fears of what is lurking behind that front door are crashing around me at once. I don't expect anyone to answer because no one ever has. So when the door opens and a man is standing there, I am utterly shocked. And my mother introduces me to Mr. Walters, who owns the house. Mr. Walters is tall. He's pretty lanky, and he has a mustache. And he's in kind of dirty jeans and a a plaid flannel. He invites us into the house. I do not want to go inside this house. But I do because I'm a kid and you do what your parents say. So as we walk through the house, I realize that it's not scary in the way that we all thought it was. I'm astounded at how normal everything looks. In the bedroom, there's change on the dresser. There's food in the pantry. There are no monsters that I can see. There are no ghosts lurking about. It looks like somebody lives there, but nobody does. At first, Mr. Walters seems hospitable, willing to give us a tour. But as we look around, he seems very anxious. He doesn't seem interested in answering any of my mother's questions. But what I learned is that two years before, in 1989, a really horrible hurricane came through Charleston called Hurricane Hugo. And what Mr. Walters is telling my mom is that he and his wife were so afraid of what the hurricane would do to their house that they left and never returned until now. And I was perplexed by that because the house didn't look damaged. Everything seemed fine. And I couldn't understand why you just wouldn't return to a house for two years with all your stuff in it. The show sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And we keep them bottled up. It can start to affect us in ways we don't expect. 
how we treat our family, our friends. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Glenn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash G-L-Y-N-N. Support for Snap Judgment presents Spooked comes from Odoo. Tired of relying on disconnected software to manage your business? Then you need Odoo. Odoo is an all-in-one management platform with a suite of user-friendly applications designed to simplify and connect every aspect of your company in one easy-to-use software so you can get more done in less time. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash spooked. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash spooked. Odoo, because amazing employees deserve amazing software. I peek into a coat closet, and that's where I see several boxes full of children's toys. And this small stuffed gorilla is peeking out of the top of one of the boxes. Mr. Walters saw me looking at it, and he picked it up and handed it to me and offered it to me as a gift, as a housewarming gift. As he hands me the gorilla, he suddenly flips from anxious to warm and friendly, but that only lasts for a few seconds. And I get the feeling that he wants us to get out. That night when my dad got home, we all talked about it over dinner, and I learned about the deal that my mother had made with Mr. Walters. My mom felt like that house was abandoned, so she started asking around in the neighborhood to see if anybody knew who owned it. And that's when she got in touch with Mr. Walters and basically begged him to rent the house to us. He didn't want to at first. My mother didn't say why Mr. Walters and his wife didn't want to rent out the house. And I didn't get the feeling that she or my dad cared because they were just desperate to move somewhere. And this seemed like the perfect place for us to move. On the morning of moving day, I'm feeling really scared. We belong to a a small fundamental Christian church, and we got another family involved with their kids, and we all ran around the house, opened every door and into every corner, did what what we call calling on the name of Jesus to bless the house. It felt fun. It was like a game, and, and it was something new. We'd never done that before. By the end of the day, when it's time for bed, I'm feeling pretty peaceful about being in the house. I have new bedding. I like the setup of my new room. I'm snuggled in my bed, lying on my back, holding on to the gorilla that Mr. Walters gave me. My door is cracked a bit and the hall light is on. My eyes are just kind of lazily 
gazing around my room and they land on a little bit of movement around my door. And that's when I notice a little boy, maybe seven or eight years old, peering into my room. He has reddish brown hair parted on the side, clean cut. He's wearing a long sleeve shirt, something that looks similar to long johns. I feel a strange sense of calm. I don't freeze. I'm not scared. We just kind of stared at each other. He didn't say anything. He didn't come any closer. He isn't smiling, but he doesn't look angry or even afraid of me. He looks really curious. After a few seconds of our eyes being locked, I realize that boy can't be there. And not because I thought I was hallucinating, but because he physically couldn't be there. There just wasn't space for his body because where my door frame ended was a mirror. And the way that he was peering into my door, he would have to be coming out of the mirror. And then I realized this is probably the ghost we've all been so afraid of. And there's nothing to be afraid of at all. Once I decide he's a friendly ghost, I'm so tired, I go ahead and fall asleep. I fall asleep with him standing there looking at me. I wake up to the sound of footsteps overhead, pounding, running. I don't understand what's happening. And then as my eyes focus, I realize something is hovering over my face just a few inches from me, parallel to my body. This kind of wispy, see-through being with these dark, hollow eyes staring me down. My heart is racing. My chest feels tight. I can't find my voice. I'm also thinking I was wrong about the little boy being the only ghost in this house. All I can do is squeeze my eyes as tight as I possibly can and hope it'll go away. And that's what I do until I fall asleep again. Waking up in the room the next morning, I knew without a doubt that I had not made any of that up. None of it was a dream. I feel like I can't say anything to my parents because I don't feel like they would believe me. I thought that they would tell me I was being silly and I'm always worried something's going to happen. Each night for a little while, I'm on the lookout for them, especially the boy. But over time, neither of them returned. So I don't forget about them, but I kind of put them in a little box in my mind and try not to think about it. I start to let my guard down. Months go by without anything else happening, but Mr. Walters from time to time will show up unannounced so that he can check out things. He does sweeps of the house and he's in and out within minutes, but it's random. He doesn't give warning 
and he never gives an explanation. There's something that just doesn't sit right with me, something strange about him. I don't trust him. It's near the end of summer because school starts up again soon and we're just enjoying the last lazy days of summer. My mom is grilling outside on our patio. I'm setting the table for dinner when I hear my mom scream and a crash and I run out to the patio. I see my mom on the ground Her body's kind of curled around the grill, and I see that her hand is burned. She's holding her burned hand with her other hand, kind of squeezing her wrist, and her hand just looks white. It's completely charred. It's it's grilled human flesh. I start screaming for my dad. My dad got aloe vera gel and smothered her hand in it and then filled up a Ziploc bag with ice cubes and water. I overhear my mother telling my father what happened. As she was taking the food down to the grill, it felt like someone had pushed her down the stairs and she grabbed the hot grill and held onto it to hold her body up so that she didn't land on her head on the patio. She'd walked those stairs a hundred times before and never fallen, but as she and my dad talked more about it, they reasoned she must have just lost her footing or tripped somehow. I feel like they are downplaying what really happened, and I immediately feel that the thing is back and things are getting worse. Mr. Walters continues to randomly show up and demand that he come into the house and look around. I'm beginning to feel like Mr. Walters knows that the house is haunted. I am convinced, as I have been from the beginning, that we shouldn't be there. A few months later, my dad and I are watching TV in the family room. I decide to get off the couch and play with my dog a little bit. The news is on and I'm getting bored. So I'm playing with my dog off to the side. And suddenly my dog, who is a toy dachshund named Ziggy, starts barking furiously at my dad. My dog seems very agitated almost like he is trying to frighten something away. And my dad at first shushes him. And then because my dog won't relent, he angrily jumps off the couch with his finger pointed and gets up in his face to say bad dog. But just as he does, this wooden beam chandelier comes crashing down onto the couch right where my dad had been sitting. The chandelier was solid and did not break into pieces. My dad 
calls on the name of the Lord and thanks the Lord for protecting him and then mumbles something about needing to call Mr. Walters to have it fixed. I am not convinced God is protecting us. I keep imagining how it would have destroyed my dad if he had been sitting there. So my father calls Mr. Walters to tell him that the chandelier fell and that he needed to come fix it. And Mr. Walters responds with an eviction notice and tells my father that we had to get out of the house immediately because he had sold it. So we moved out of Mr. Walters' house. The house we moved into was ugly. It had multiple shades of brown carpeting everywhere. It was probably the ugliest house we ever lived in, but I felt so much safer there. I was so happy. Except for when Mr. Walters would drive by our house slowly studying us just as randomly as he showed up when we were living in his house. I feel like Mr. Walters was definitely hiding something. He just wanted to make sure that we were keeping his secrets if we knew anything. A few years ago, now a full-grown adult, I was thinking about this experience And I finally decided to ask my parents about the house and what they remembered happened inside of it. I finally told them my account of the story. They didn't admit that the ghost I saw might have been real. They also didn't deny it. In hindsight, I think that's why they made up the blessing or cleansing, whatever it was to reassure themselves that God would protect us. We had never done that before. We never did it again. The one thing I've never been able to stop thinking about is Mr. Walters. Curiosity got the better of me, so I looked the house up on Zillow to see what it would look like now. And it looked about the same The lawn is all overgrown again. The paint's chipping on the shutters. It just looks like it's in a state of disrepair like it always did. But I noticed on the Zillow price and history section that it was not sold in 1993. I think that Mr. Walters knew he'd made a mistake letting us in. He evicted us to get us away from the danger that was in that house and then made sure nobody else would ever live there. Thank you so much, Marielle, for sharing your story with the Spooked. The original score for that piece was by Nicholas Marks. It was produced by Zoe Ferrigno. Now, Spoosters, we walk this path together. My question is, 
Do you inhabit a world that others do not have access to? Do you know things that you should not know or see things that remain hidden to those dearest to you? If there is no one you can tell, tell me. I want to know. Spooked at snapjudgment.org because there's nothing better than a spooked story from a spooked listener. Let us know. Spooked at snapjudgment.org And you can tell the dark side you spook with some spook gear. Get the t-shirt of your dreams. It's available right now at snapjudgment.org And remember, if you like your storytelling under the bright light of the noonday sun, get the amazing, stupendous Snap Judgment podcast. It's storytelling with a beat. Spooked was created by the team that knows exactly the right questions to ask any real estate agent about that supposedly perfect three-bedroom, two-bath bungalow. Except, of course, for Mark Ristich. He'd prefer not to know. There's Anna Sussman, our chief spookster is Eliza Smith, Chris Hambrick, Annie Nguyen, Lauren Newsom, Leon Morimoto, Davey Kim, Renzo Gorio, Teo Decott, Marissa Dodge, Zoe Ferrigno, Tiffany DeLiza, Ann Ford, Doug Stewart, and Isaiah Sims. The spook theme song is by Pat Masini Miller. My name is Gun Washington. And the thing about a path or a pattern is that it makes it easier to set an expectation of what it is you do, of how your world is ordered. Patterns are guideposts, handrails. They can lead us away from the dark heart of the forest. A pattern can even save your life. And one habit, one habit I advise above all others, is that wherever you go and whatever you do, never, ever, never, ever, never, ever, never, ever turn out the lights. This story was summoned in the dark of night by KQED and PRX. PRX.